report today, how to feed Ghana and Africa, the Justice Beidou way. Well, it's a young man from Africa who decides to stop talking and rather act and show why it is possible to feed Ghana and Africa through simple modern methods of farming. My name is Philip Nyakbo and welcome to African Port once more. The good news and the bad news about Africa available on iTunes podcast, YouTube and soon on Google's Android podcast. One of the enduring images of Africa around the world are those of malnourished, hungry and helpless children. These images evoke a lot of passionate discussion but not a lot of action. Of course, the images of hungry children from Africa do not exactly represent the overwhelming majority of children in Africa, but Africa does have a challenge in feeding itself. So having heard all the endless talk about what needs to be done, Justice Beidou from Ghana decided to take action and set an example. He built an artifact. Justice Beidou's artifact is a multi-purpose farm in Ghana's western region and he calls it Bluefields Farms. Before building Bluefields Farms, Justice spent some years in journalism and later traveled to the United Kingdom to study advanced journalism. He returned with a passion to use modern farming as a tool to uplift his community. Justice Beidou is the guest on this episode of African Port and he describes his mission to teach by example that it is possible for Ghanaians and Africans to feed themselves. Thank you for speaking to African Port, uh, Justice Beidou. Uh, we know you're making a difference with the Bluefield uh, Farms in Ghana. Um, so tell us, how did you get the idea in the first place? I've been place? a journalist for uh, about five years professionally now. Um, and in, in 2012, 2013, um, I got a, a contract job um, that I did for for the UNDP. The United Nations Development Program? Yes, 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 yes. So it was the United Nations Development Program um, country office in Ghana. Um, and what we what we did, what was what we usually do in that job was to travel around Ghana and usually to the remotest communities to document the the projects that the, the country office was involved in in Ghana. Um, and because most of the projects that we would visit usually had to do with um, poverty alleviation and it, it had to do with farmers because um, 60% of Ghana's population directly or indirectly is in, into um, agriculture, like farming or agribusiness. Every time... We, I, we did travel. I would meet um, farmers and people who who put a lot of effort in their work. But then, for so many reasons, they do not get the the returns on the investment that they put in because farmers use a lot of um, outmoded means of working. They do not employ modern technology. They do not apply. They do not apply. Um, new fertilizers that could give them good yields and all of that. And so it's a big problem where you have about 60% of the country's population in a sector where they are putting in so much and yet getting so little. But then because of the work that and the people, the technical people that I used to travel with, I, I had also known 
that there's a better way of doing things in in farming and getting more um, in terms of returns. And so I thought, um, well, I could, we could start something. We need to start something that would then change the narrative and then at least serve as an example where local farmers could could um, look at us and then and then change their ways of farming, but then also also boost the interest of young people because for myself I was just at the time 26 years old so try to start something that would that would um, interest other young people to start up their own um, ventures in in farming so for you in between getting the experience with the UNDP in Ghana uh, traveling to remote areas and observing farmers you also left Ghana to pursue journalism I've done my first degree in, in journalism um, and so I was really interested in also building my capacity as well in journalism. So in, in 2014, I applied for a scholarship program, um, which is funded by, by Talo Oil, but then run, administered by the British Council. Um, so I, the idea really is to build the capacity of Ghanaian national, um, human resource in terms of to take, to be able to take advantage of the oil and gas, which is, which started um, in commercial quantities in Ghana five years ago. So I got selected, and then I, for one year I lived in the UK studying for a master's in international journalism. It opened my eyes to many opportunities that exist, not just in the field of journalism, but also in the field of farming. Because when I went to the UK, I, I found that in food, in a country like the United Kingdom, where land is not even available for farming, Food is ready, healthy, cheap, and 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 it's all over the place, even even in the supermarket. So it struck me that why is it that countries that are like European countries that Africa has better resources, lands, and everything done? How are they able to provide food, quality food, at very cheap prices for everybody to be able to enjoy? Then I found out that especially also because I had visited a couple of farms in the UK was because they used improved methods of farming, they employed technology, and above all, above everything else, the government in those countries also support with subsidies, um, tax credits, and all of those policies that could that could create opportunities and then create an enabling environment for, for, for productive farming and productive agribusiness to thrive. So it's some of these things that I, I saw while I was away that I would want to bring back in and try in our own small way to to shine a light on things that could be done right to, to serve as an example for everybody else. And, and it would still be a good question to ask, what specific problems in Ghana were you hoping to solve with this initiative? Uh, a basic problem is that this in, in Ghana, um, more than 60% of food that is consumed is imported. It is morally, economically, and everything else about this is wrong. Because this is a country that could produce more than we actually could consume. And and so it is not, it doesn't make any sense at all why we would have to import 60% of how much we eat or how much we consume in this country. And in, in total, we are sending over $3 billion of, of hard and um, cash outside this country only so we are able to import 
um, this food to cover everybody. Even in that, we still are unable to feed everybody to the optimum amount that we need to. And so what happens then is that food prices are always high and people do not get them in the right quantities for human quality human development. And so I think that if we are able to if we are able to build a strong um human resource base in our own indigenous farming uh, business, then we could create growth poles of farming and agribusiness all over the country. We could then be able to produce basic food that we, we consume most. We do know that majority of of the meat that we do produce is, is poultry because we, we import a lot of poultry. So if we're able to if we're able to get a, a, a big production base for poultry products, it helps. Um, we consume rice a lot, for example. So why don't we? Why aren't we able to start some of these ranches on our own? Um, and so that is a major um, issue. The other side of the of the coin is if you are able to do all of these, then you you, you then take advantage of all the opportunities that exist on the value chain, which is, for example, creating employment for for other people. So on our farm now. We employ directly three people. Only even though we've only just started, we've actually right, we've been in actual production business, or actual work for just about a year, and we employ three people directly. And indirectly, we engage up to about ten people, depending on when we have work that needs to be done. And so, and this is just that. So, I'm thinking that if we have ten of what we are doing in every district in Ghana. That will be a lot of steps forward in creating employment, in boosting food production, in in building local economies. Because then, if businesses thrive in local economies, people benefit. Everybody else, whether directly or indirectly, um, would benefit. And Justice Beidu, you have not much of a background in agriculture yourself personally. So, how much of a drawback is that for you? As you pursue uh, the dream for you know, expanding, building and expanding Bluefields farms, that is, is is a challenge, but then it's also an opportunity um, because I mean, obviously, if I had done um, a university course in agriculture or farming, I would obviously had a lot of I'll have a lot of technical knowledge that would help me. Um, but that notwithstanding, that is also an opportunity for me to then be even more serious in learning and learning even quicker because we have bigger targets that we want to achieve and we know that to be able to get there, we need to learn. And in le- in the learning process, we are picking up a lot of things that we otherwise would not know or would take, a- take for granted. So, yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a drawback, but we are taking it as um, as an opportunity to learn and, and that's exactly what we are doing. So describe to me the current situation in the Bluefields farm. So we started off um, we started off uh, because we wanted to focus more on poultry because we saw that was where um, the immediate demand for for meat in, in Ghana was, at least in the locality in which we operate. So we currently have 1,200 beds, out of which we have 200 um we have 200 boilers, and then we have 1,000 um, layers. We are we are getting up to about 150 crates of egg every week, 
we have we have 40 turkeys we have got 35 rabbits so so for example because we we, we feed them and then we sell them um as and when they come so we've only got like 30 of them that are there and then we have got um, snails as well we've only they've only just hatched so we've got them in the snail pit so we've got like 30 um parent breed um but they hatch and then at every one time that they do hatch we have about four thousand of them you describe the bluefields farms as a multi-purpose farm can you explain that the, the bigger the bigger objective that we want to drive towards is to have a multi-purpose farm when we talk about multi-purpose farm we want to bring everything agriculture together under one roof so we are able to have um an eco tourism and an eco village sort of so we want to have a livestock farm and then our crop farm together on the same field so the idea then is that we grow we grow our fruits we want to grow mangoes we want to do pineapples we want to do uh we want to do oranges and all those about four or five different fruits on one land on one um, piece of land then but then in there we also would have um, a piggy farm, we want to have a rabbit farm, we want to have a poultry farm, everything on one piece of land. So we want to then get a huge place. Then on that farm, we would have a place where we, we, we would have training. So it would be a farm where we would be living ourselves. We have all the young people that will be working there on the farm. And then we would have, it would also serve as a training hub where other young people can then come because we have we would, we want to be doing everything by best practices. So um we have a training training rooms on there where young people can come and then stay over and then learn uh, basically. We want to be working with the Ministry of Agriculture and other technical people that we would we would be partnering with. Mm. We would come and learn how and what where to start if you, if they want to go into farming. The other thing that we also hope to do is because we are going to be providing, producing food at this place, we want to also make it a, a sort of an eco um, hospitality center. So, for example, you can come and just have a look um, at how farming, how nice farming could be. Um, but because we are also producing food, we would have seven food fresh from our farm, eggs and everything on our farm really available for people to just have a look. We, can, we would be inviting um, primary schools and basic schools to come over and bring their students. It's all a way of starting people young at a, um, so they are able to know that farming is not all about poverty. Because what all we've seen in Ghana is once you start growing up, the, 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 the pictures of farming that we have growing up is that of poverty, is that of old people, is that of people who haven't been to school. Uh, we want to change that with that sort of arrangement. So when we talk of a multi-purpose farm, that is the direction that we want to head towards. So tell me about the location of this farm and what informed your choice of that location. Our first farm is in the western region. Um, the western region of Ghana, which is in the southwestern coast of the country, is one of the, the biggest contributors to Ghana's natural resource base. So we've got oil. Um, no, oil just recently, but before oil, we had cocoa, we had gold, we had manganese, we had timber, 
everything else that Ghana produces, um, you have it, most of it coming from the Western region. The last five years has also started a new dawn, which is a, a huge oil and gas industry, all of which is based in, based in the Western region. What hasn't happened is is for us to be able to match all of these sectors with with a, with a strong human resource base. So we think that there are so many opportunities in the Western region. Um, we only need to be able to develop them. And there is, there is also because there's, there's a boom in all of these sectors, there is a, a growing need. Um, of course, there's a growing need for food everywhere else in Ghana, but we believe that the Western region in particular, because there's a huge migration in immigration in that region, there's, there's, a, there's a big demand for food and all the services that we want to provide. And so we want to start off here. So our first farm is just 30 minutes um, outside Takra, which is the regional Western regional capital. It's just 30 minutes away from the airport. Um, so it's it's to towards the, it's to the west southwest of the city of Takra, which is the capital um, of the Takra Highway. So I'm curious about the challenges you would have faced from when you made the decision and uh, made all the effort to come to the point you are now, not to even talk about the future. What, what, so what challenges have you faced? It's just a basic challenge that I think a lot of people who want to start ventures in, in many parts of Africa um, face, which is, which is with financing, because... And especially because agriculture is such a risky venture, nobody would want to give you money because everybody thinks that, one, it is a long-term thing, and then, two, uh, because of how poorly we do it in, Af- in Ghana, nobody is sure you are, you are going to have your money back even if they give you the money. So it was really difficult. When we started, we didn't have any money to, to start anything. We were turned down by all, every other financial institution that we went to with any proposal. In fact, um, even the Agricultural Development Bank in Ghana, which, is, which has been set up by the Ghanaian government to, to support the industry, the farmers, young farmers, I think, um, didn't believe, believe in our idea. Um, and so it was, it's really tough. In fact, I have had to, over the last three years, um, put everything Every all of my salary, my personal salary, into starting this, sacrificing every, nearly every personal luxury, um, to be able to get this up and running. But we've only been able to stand because we so believe in the in the in the idea, and we think that the the rewards that we that would come, not just for us but everybody else is stronger than the sacrifices that we are making now. And how have people re- responded? How have people reacted to your efforts so far? I think I think now um, now it's a lot of people are happy. They are excited that you've been able to do this, that we've been able to do this, especially because we've not had any support from coming from anywhere. Everybody's excited. A lot of young people, a lot of my friends, they are really motivated. They are saying, well, this is the way to go. This is good. This is good. This is good. But what most of them do not know, actually, is the real cost. What we've had to put down, the things we've had to forego to ensure that we, we are able to come this far. Everybody is excited, of course, but it's really taking a lot. Um, there was a point that basically 
I was actually scared buying buying shirts for myself because I I'm torn between spending my money on buying a shirt to wear and 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 spending it to pay someone to go and lay bricks um, or blocks because we we really needed to get the the, the infrastructure going and, and there was no money. This Friday, the fourth of December, two thousand fifteen, is a special day in Ghana uh, because it's a day devoted to farmers or Farmers' Day, as it is called. What does it mean to you? Um, I think it, it is a very important day. In fact, it should be a very important day for a country like Ghana, a country that has so much um, natural resources and potential to be able to feed itself and feed um, other countries and yet spend huge money importing food at huge cost to, to, feed, to feed its people. I think that it should be a day that we sit back as a country and reflect on how poorly we've done in this industry, just as we've done in every, every, other, every other industry. I think that it is a day that we should really sit down and, and say to ourselves that, look, we, we are not going to be able to go anywhere if we are going to continue spending $3 billion a year to import food. I think that it's a day that we should sit down and, and say to ourselves that the more we import, the more we spend $600 million a year importing rice, we are only building industries and creating jobs in, in the United States and, 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 in, and, and in other European countries where we import these things from. I think that in Ghana, if you think about the fact that 60% of our people are directly or indirectly um, engaged in some form of agribusiness, what it means then is that any sensible investment that goes into agriculture then touches automatically 60% of our people. It's only common sense that we invest in such an industry. And in view of that, what would you say is the future of your Bluefield farm in Ghana's western region? I think we have a very bright future. We have a very bright future, and with the steps that we are taking, with the technologies that we hope to employ, with the efficient management skills that we hope to adopt, I think we are going to grow. We are going to be able to build a huge industry that would be um, a shining star, that would be a reference point for a lot of young people and also for a lot of existing farmers as well. But um, ours is going to be just one story. Ours is going to be just one of, I am just one of um, probably millions of young people in Ghana. Um, if we our, our story would be full, our, our our happiness would be full if we are able to have more of more blue fields, not just in Takradi. Uh, if we are able to have more blue fields in Bogatanga, in Wa, in Tamalin, every other part of Ghana. We we can only move forward if we are able to start such of these such ventures everywhere. Um, across the length and breadth of, of this country. So it, is, 
it is basically the only way we could we could bring our people out of poverty. There's no other way to 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 end poverty than to invest in people, invest in 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 the sectors that so much so that mean so much to a country's um, growth, uh, like agriculture. And essentially, you have switched from being a full-time journalist, and you've also just. Um, had a master's in international journalism degree from uh, Cardiff in the UK. You've switched all that now to focus on agriculture. I love I love journalism as a passion. I have a passion for journalism. I think that it is also another another sector that could help our country develop. And I also believe that the Bluefield should move on. So um, thankfully, I have a strong team. That I'm I'm working with Shelly Clarkson, who is uh, my girlfriend. She's um, she's an amazing woman, a physiotherapist by training, but also someone who is a forward and progressive young Ghanaian woman. She's the one I'm working with um, on this project, and she helps me in the management of this project. She um, over the last one year since I've been away, she's managed this project efficiently. And so that's how we're going to move on. I I am still working, even though with lesser hours as a journalist. I would still very much be interested in the affairs of Bluefield. We have most of our paperwork going on, and I'm working on them every day. I, I'm not going to stop being a journalist at all. I think I'm probably going to be a journalist um, for as long as I can. Thank you very much, Justice, for speaking to African Port. I was speaking there with Justice Beidou in Ghana. Justice built an artifact, a farm he calls Bluefields Farms, to demonstrate that it is possible to feed Ghanaians and Africans. For more on the good news and the bad news about Africa, subscribe to the African Port on iTunes podcast, YouTube, search for African Port, and also on our website, africanport.com. African Port will also be available soon on Google's Android podcast. My name is Philip Nyakbo, and thanks for listening. <laughs>